What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, an anti-Muslim hate crime in the southwest suburbs, an inside look at Chicago's temporary casino, and we've got a new member of the CityCast Chicago team. Let's break it all down. It's Tuesday, October 17th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago is talking about. I'm here with lead producer Simone Alisea. Morning, Simone. Good morning, Jacoby. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we got some heavy, heavy stories to kick off the program today. Um, a southwest suburban man has been charged with a hate crime for stabbing a six-year-old boy to death and seriously wounding his mother over the weekend. Police and relatives said they were targeted because they were Muslim and because of the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. Simone, what do we know so far? Yeah, so Joseph Chuba is a 71-year-old landlord in Plainfield in Will County, so that's southwest suburbs, and he's accused of killing uh, six-year-old Wadea Al-Fayoum and injuring his mother, Hanan Shahin, uh, who were his tenants. Um, he's been charged with murder, battery, and a hate crime. The DOJ, uh, the Department of Justice, is also investigating for federal hate crime charges, and this was just, just a really, I think, tragic moment over the weekend uh, you know, after we have sort of seen demonstrations and we have seen, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit, sort of a, a really heated city council meetings where this war is sort of, uh, you know, playing out here at home, you know, after this all kind of took place over the weekend and on Sunday, the Chicago office of the council on American Islamic relations held a press conference with, uh, relatives of the family. Uh, Wadeo's father was there as well. And, uh, I think the the boy's uncle talked about having family in Gaza whom they haven't been able to hear from. Uh, this is a family who migrated from uh, the West Bank, trying to you know leave the 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 site of conflict and and leave violence that was happening in the West Bank. And so, just I think something that has really shaken certainly Will County, but also I think has reverberated throughout the Chicagoland area, this this really just sort of uh, awful, awful crime. Yeah. Over the last week, most of what I watched take place in the news, whether it's media members and politicians sort of trying to play both sides, fumbling over their their speeches was expected. Uh, seeing tens of thousands of people march across Chicago and New York and Los Angeles and cities across America was expected. And unfortunately, seeing a rise in whether it's Islamophobia or anti-Semitism leading to, you know, violence, unfortunately, was also expected. But for the victim to be this six-year-old boy whose mother and father are not only completely at loss for words, you know, 
this abhorrent act that they've had to experience, but it's it it feels like it, it it's multiplied in this moment because it's very much a tragedy that you know as we we've seen in the coverage it is entirely motivated simply by their identity. Mm-hmm, exactly, and I think uh, it's just um, it's so hard to talk about. I think in so many ways, one just because you know, anytime anyone is killed, but anytime a child is killed in particular, there is just this sense of just utter injustice, right? Whatever mm-hmm. a, a, a child is killed. And then on you add on top of that, the fact that this, that, that, you know, again, authorities are charging this as a hate crime. They believe that, that that is the reason that, that this person acted the way they did was targeting this family because they're Muslim. But it's, you know, this family, they hadn't had a problem with their landlord leading up to this. It wasn't, it wasn't a case where, you know, there had been ra- racial epithets or, or religious, you know, you know, anti-Muslim epithets that had been thrown over the course of the their time living here. It was really kind of motivated by this tense, tense moment that the world is in right now. Um, you know, Chicago has one of the largest populations of Palestinian Americans in in the country. It's estimated around eighty five thousand. Here we also have a really large Jewish population. Many of uh, of that community have really strong ties to Israel. Uh, yeah, it's it. Like I said, just really, really difficult. I think to kind of talk about and wrap your head around as a Chicagoan of like, mm-hmm. you know, what what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to sort of orient myself toward toward this news and kind of what's happening? And and yeah, I think really just condolences to the to the family. Yeah, these these moments. Uh, I feel very torn, but but I kind of want to explain that. It's on one hand, I am I'm torn because it always sucks when the question becomes violence against who sparks outrage, right? You know, the 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 violence that Israelis experienced last week, you know, had governors and mayors and even our city council coming out and saying, you know, we need to pass a resolution to stand with. But then you hear from someone like Gabriel Miller, who spoke in front of the city council last week and and openly said, well, this city council has never met to speak on violence against Palestinians. And now after this killing, you see these same politicians, these same city council members coming out and saying, you know, we stand with our Muslim brothers and sisters. We this act will not be tolerated. But but I'm torn because there seems to be a cognitive dissonance between how the way we spoke last week and sort of, you know, made. Hamas a stand-in for Palestine in that moment and, and how that contributes to, to the rise of not only violence, but violent rhetoric. And then on the other hand, a part of me is proud of our city, is, is, is proud that, you know, when I think of how conflict was covered, even just 10 years ago, if you think about the 50-day conflict back in 2014, I don't think you had as many marches take place that say, hey, we can openly speak uh, about how how sad and and angry we are to see lives lost, but let's always put that within context. I don't know if we saw that ten years ago uh, in the ways we see now with with the marches, with city council members pushing back against sort of this blanket, uh, you know, resolution for support and saying let's complicate this issue and speak about you know this not as just a moment that took place on October 7th but one that is situated inside of uh, you know a 100 year history here i think uh, just to kind of uh 
step back a little bit and explain a little bit of what you're referring to that happened in city council late last week on Friday. Council members debated a resolution uh, basically condemning the attacks by Hamas and and sort of supporting Israel. And that meeting was extremely heated. At one point, Mayor Brandon Johnson called for members of the public to be cleared out of council chambers. Um, And it it was very heated by sort of on both sides, people speaking, as you said, in support of Palestine. And again, speaking to that as that issue of, well, why haven't you condemned violence against Palestinians that has been ongoing in addition to, to uh, this attack by Hamas, you know? And then of course, supporters of Israel really cheering on this resolution, you know, that the city council is coming up and taking a stand you know, the sponsor of that resolution, Alderwoman Deborah Silverstein, has sort of said that has tried to make the point that this resolution is specific, again, to condemning that attack by Hamas, you know, which targeted civilians in Israel. But critics say that it just it doesn't it isn't nuanced enough. It doesn't do enough to yeah. acknowledge the the violence that has already been perpetrated. It doesn't do enough to also acknowledge, you know, previous uh, human rights issues that are happening in Gaza and the West Bank. I do agree that it is sort of interesting to see. I do. I agree with you. I think there is a complicated conversation that's actually happening kind of in public in the city mm-hmm. of Chicago, in our public institutions it has never really kind of felt, I think, as complex as it as it does in this moment. Um, openly complex. Exactly. But I appreciate the Chicago's organizing community, not simply for for marching, for sharing books and resources and things you can read to be more tapped in, to be more informed, but for having the complicated conversation, especially while mourning is, you know, it's a part of the challenge of, of organizing. And so, um, but you know, as always, I, I stand in gratitude. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. So we've spent a lot of time here on CityCast Chicago covering the implications of Bally's Casino uh, here in the city, what it's going to mean for traffic and how much money it's going to make for the city. Uh, But now that the temporary casino at Medina Temple in River North is actually open, I kind of wanted to know, like, is it actually a good time? Is it fun? Uh, Jacoby, uh, you were there uh, a couple weekends ago. How was it? What did you see? Give us the inside scoop. What was the casino like? Yes, I 
went there around maybe 10 o'clock last Saturday. And I mean, you could see the building from a ways away. The Bally's Casino signs are prominent. They're everywhere. It is an interesting juxtaposition to see the, the Medina Temple, you know, retrofitted as a casino. I don't think its original architects ever imagined that's what would take place uh, inside of the building. Uh, but once you get there, the first thing I noticed was there was not a long wait to get into the casino. I those lines that we saw on the news when it was first opening up in September seemed to be long gone, right? It was not a very cold night out. Uh but when you walked in, things pretty much move smoothly. You go in and as you can expect, you're going to see a security guard, they're going to ask to see your ID, scan you in. But then when you come in, it's feels I don't know if you've ever been to like a casino in I I haven't actually I don't I've never been to a casino in Vegas I've never it's not really my thing okay. so this is entirely new to me I am like a child <laughs> learning for the first time So I I have been to casinos in uh Louisiana out in Vegas even uh uh in Indiana and some of the things you expect as soon as you walk in the lights are bright the slot machines are blaring the floor is ugly because they don't want you to look at the floor they want you to look up at the games but the actual layout of Medina Temple is different than anything I've ever seen because it feels much more narrow than at you know a, a Vegas casino an Atlantic City casino just because of the way the building is, right? It's it's separated on multiple levels with games on multiple levels with your restaurants up on the third floor. It feels like a convention center that turned into a casino floor. And so the the games feel a lot closer together. I wonder if that gives it, uh, you know, if that gives it like a more kind of urban, you know, because you're right, you know, you're in River North, you're in the middle of the city, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, you're not out in Hammond, Indiana. You're not out in the Northwest suburbs. Right. It's not a building you're going to get lost into, right? right? It's not one that you're, you know, Vegas Casino, you are wondering where is the exit? I actually am lost somewhere in the middle. But it, it feels really easy to navigate. The signage was very clear. As soon as you walk in, you, you see uh, waiters and waitresses moving throughout. You see people, you know, standing up at the tables hoping to hit hit their lucky moment. But But the energy left a lot to be desired, right? It just, it mm. was not a, it didn't feel like a go-to spot on a Saturday night mm. when you first walk in. It didn't feel like, because I think that's what people say about Vegas casinos in particular, right? It's it's designed to keep you there forever. And you just sort of, you're in this like adult fantasy world and you lose track of mm -hmm. time and space. You didn't lose track of where you were. You knew where exactly that you were in the middle of Chicago right now. Exactly. I knew I was in River North. I knew I was in the old Medina Temple. The end, like you could still, the facade of the building is still the same, right? The dome. Thinking about, thinking about what other bars you were going to hit afterwards after you kind of got through this. <laughs> <laughs> or how comfortable that bed was going to be. Yeah. Um, but like different than a, a Vegas casino, there are no complimentary drinks, right? You still got to order. You still got to pay for everything that you're consuming in there. I would have would have liked a nice little watered down drink to 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 make my my stay a little bit easier. But I spun the room for a bit before I grabbed some money, before I sat down, just to sort of take the lay of the land. Feels like there's a bar on every floor. Um, you know, I didn't eat, but the restaurants up top and the menus that they had, I don't know. I guess I was a little bit shocked. I, I can't, I've never eaten at a casino. Um, and and that even continue here. But when I looked at the Medina Bistro, I mean, steak frites right at the very top uh, uh, of the menu, a uh, mushroom collard melt, a Baja fish taco plate, you know, and, and the, the time that is running from like, I think, 
5 p.m. to 1 a.m. Um, so, so the food is available all night. And I didn't get to taste it yet. So that, that just gives me a reason to go back. But the menu definitely got me. All right, Jacoby. But we are avoiding three very important questions here. Uh, mm-hmm. What games or game did you play? How much money did you lose and how fast? That's a very good question. So from the time I got to the ATM and sat down to play roulette, I lost $100 in three minutes (laughs) on five hands of roulette. I won the first one, and then it was down, down a hill from there. I don't know. There feels like there was an element of pageantry that was missing. There was no sense of like, come sit down, come play, try your hand. And so, again, I don't know if that's an unfair expectation but that that maybe but you that's wanted not that a, like Vegas casino movie moment, exactly. right? Like, I just I just expected there to be both a little bit more energy from the people who were working there and also maybe more bodies. Cause I also think there is an energy to like if you're playing roulette with multiple people, that sort of there are more people like, you know, have something in the game. And it didn't feel like there were a lot of table that had three or four or five folks there, you know, to play. And so yeah. that energy was lost. It was just me and Tay sitting at a roulette table playing by herself, which, you know, it's not that exciting when I'm losing money every hand. So do you think, uh, do you think you'll go back? Do you think you'll bring visitors? I mean, are you waiting for the permanent one? Like what, what's your, you know, what's your final, final rating here, I guess? I do imagine I will go back. I haven't tried the food. See if maybe I just caught it at a, you know, kind of a low period. See what it's like on a different day at a different time. But it, you know, I asked one of the the people working the games, I was like, you know, how long did y'all have to train? And one of the guys said two months. And then another individual told me uh, that she had been trained or she had had previous training working at a different casino. And when she said that, that just reminded me that for as much as the temporary casino is supposed to be its own experience, something that people can enjoy. It's also a training ground in our city. It's 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 getting people prepared for the idea of a casino running, you know, 20 hours a day. And and from that perspective, it allowed me to leave being, okay, right? Chicago has never done this before. And so I left maybe with a little bit more of a perspective. Like, okay, all right, I'm coming the first month of our first ever casino. I I think it can only go up from here. Uh, You know, lost some money. What what else to be expected? Rating, uh, I'm going to be a little mean here, unfortunately. I'm going to have to give it a round of like seven. Seven out of ten, uh, maybe even lower than that. Yeah, maybe maybe even a six out of ten. I think that's that's quite kind, actually. That's that's the you know that's better than half, right? That's mm-hmm. still on the positive positive side of yeah, things. Yeah, because it, it was clean. ATM fees are nuts. Hey, get your cash before you go. Them ATM fees is like six dollars. Uh, all of the slot machines have electronic charges, so you can put your phone right on if your phone charges that way. So they don't want you to leave. And they got some casino elements in there, right? It, it was clean. People was checking in. You know, you folks seemed nice. Security didn't, you know, security had a smile, didn't make it uh, difficult. But yeah, somewhere between a, a six and a seven. Uh, if anyone else, if any of our listeners have checked out the casino and they've got thoughts or opinions, uh, let us know. Uh, text us, 773-780-0246. Want to hear how it's going and uh, what what... What's in store when uh, the permanent one opens up here in the next few years? You heard me talk about it on Friday, but CityCast Chicago has a brand new audio producer. I'm so excited for y'all to meet the homie Michelle Navarro. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you for having me. Well, welcome to the team, Chad. It's just me, me and Simone been holding it down for a few weeks. We're excited to get for somebody else in here. For a few weeks. Oh. Uh, 
you know, I, I disassociated there. Uh, for I've a heard it's months. been a while. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a few, it's been a few months uh, that we've been holding these team chats down by ourselves. Uh, she said that so a few weeks, and I, the minute you said, it, I was just like, oh man, it has been a, it, a whole summer, a whole summer. Um, but no, we are so excited to have you here. Uh, we want the listeners to, you know, maybe get to know a little bit about you. You know, how how would you describe yourself to the listener? Great question. Also a tough one. I mean, um, what what the listeners need to know is that I'm born and raised in Chicago, Southwest Side. So shout out Southside to all my Southside people. You already know how I feel. <laughs> I love storytelling. I love audio producing. I love writing. And I'm excited to be here and to be part of the team. Y'all been holding it down. And I know y'all been doing a great job, but I'm excited to help now. Hey, we are glad to have you here. And to help the listener get to know you a little bit more, we got a, a little bit of a rapid fire. I'm going to start with some basic Chicago questions and then do go to the choices. So first, I need to know, you said Southwest Side, what's your neighborhood? What neighborhood are you from? Where your granny stay? Where your mama stay? Gage Park. Born and raised Gage Park. All right, Southwest Side. What high school you go to? I went to Solorio Academy High School. It's kind of newer. Like, I feel like a lot of Chicagoans don't really know much about it. It opened in 2010. So it's one of the newer schools, but but we there. <laughs> but we represent it. All right. Um, you know, as you, you've heard on the podcast, we like to debate some of the Chicago things. So I got to bring you in on here. Chicago pizza. Everybody want to talk about it. Everybody got an opinion. Where you at? Deep dish or tavern? Tavern. It has to be tavern. Deep dish is like special occasions. Harold's or Uncle Remus. Harold's. Ketchup on a hot dog, yes or no? Ooh, I'm going to be real. I do like ketchup on the dog. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I just feel like for Southsiders, G. I love, like, like the Chicago-style dog is so good because, like, I love all the vegetables in there, like, the peppers. Like, I love a creative hot dog. But, like, I just feel like it's a little dry without the ketchup. Like, just making mustard do all of that work feels unfair it to does. mustard. Like, it that's does. what the relish is for. That's what the re- the relish helps. That's what the relish is see, for. See, Simone, see, we was having a conversation there, G. We, we, was, we was talking. We was talking. We was going <laughs> back and forth. And you talking about the pickle lily. Like, yes, relish is, is good. But we, and the, liquidy. You put that with the vegetables. You put that with the vegetables. It's, it's got liquid in it. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> we talk about our tomato sauce. Uh, socks or cubs. You could say both, but then, you, you know, then you just be lame. I have to go with the socks. I'm a Southsider. It's only right. Man, my homie grew up, in, uh, my homie lived in Market Park and he a Cubs fan. And that's like around the corner from you. So you never know. You never know. I People guess, get I infatuated guess. with that blue and red. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess. I, I definitely know people. <laughs> right. I, I know some of them people. Uh, all right. And then two more. One, what's your favorite tourist trap? Something that they say only tourists go to, but secretly you love it too. Mine has always been the bean. Like people be hating on the bean. I love it. I just think it's cool. Yeah, the bean is definitely cool. I have to say, though, my favorite is probably the boat ride down the Chicago River, like the architecture tour. The architecture tour. Yes. It's beautiful. I recently went on it just because one of my cousins came to visit and, you know, we're like, why not? Let's do it. And I told him, I'm like, I can definitely see myself doing this again. Jacoby, how many times have you been on the boat tour? Like eight or nine. Eight or nine. Because at this point, I'm at the point where I'm comparing the companies. Like I'm (laughs) doing each one to see like who's funny. Does the information change? Like where's the personality that like them uh, sea dogs? Them I don't even know how you do architecture tour. That thing just going so fast. Um, And so yeah, I'm I'm at the point where I'm comparing the different companies. Right, right. One more thing: 
for you, born and raised in Chicago, what do you think is the most underrated thing about Chicago? The most underrated thing? I, I would say I would say a lot of the parks are underrated. I feel like I don't know about y'all, but a lot of the Chicagoans I know, like they they be passing by the parks or they go to the parks when there's like an event and stuff, but people don't really just chill by the parks. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. something that we have so many beautiful parks that like are especially by water, which is such a like cool thing that a lot of cities don't have. So I just love being in green space around water. And Chicago got that, which I love. Whether it's by the river at like Pink mm-hmm. Tom Park or like down by the lake um, at Jackson Park, I feel like that's always a good vibe. And people don't talk about it enough. And I wish more people were just out there more. It'd be good for us. If you want to send Michelle some love, you already know where to reach out to us. 773-780-0246. Leave your name, your neighborhood, and your love. Um, I want to send another thank you to our lead producer, Simone Alisea, and our newest audio producer, Michelle Navarro. I appreciate y'all making time for me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Before I let you go, for more news and events, head over to our website, chicago.citycast.fm. That's also where you can catch up on podcast episodes you missed and subscribe to our Hey Chicago newsletter. Of course, I'm going to leave you with some good news. Our friends over at City Bureau and Chicago Votes are hosting a budget happy hour tomorrow night in the loop. You'll learn what's exactly in the proposed 2024 city budget and ways to get involved. There will also be music and drinks available. For more information, you can check our show notes. As always, we appreciate you for reading and listening. We're back in your inbox and feeds bright and early tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Peace. I'm running out of breath.